0: Welcome to Life in the Cloud, the official podcast of Tuple Technologies. Join us each week to hear from experts in cloud migration and IT management as we talk about the latest technologies and trends in cloud, and other exciting new developments in tech. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life in the Cloud. I'm your host as always, Chris Reddy, and I'm here today with Kevin from Fivetran. Kevin is an IT manager at Fivetran. And today we're going to have a great discussion about uh, his experiences in IT, kinds of issues he runs into, the kinds of problems he has to solve and his uh, the creative solutions he has to come up with. So Kevin, let's get started. I want to know a little bit more about yourself. You know, where do you come from? How did you get to where you are now at FiveTran?
1: Sure, absolutely. And it's uh, great to meet you and be on the podcast, Chris. I really appreciate uh, giving me this platform. So, I started in IT, I should probably four years ago for a healthcare company based out of Missoula, Montana called Consumer Direct Care Network, just doing help desk stuff. It was a pretty good introduction to that world in which it was pretty traditional in the sense that there was a lot of on-prem things, Active Directory, an entire Microsoft stack, all of that. From there, this tech startup, ClassPass, had actually moved in to Montana in Missoula where I was at the time. And through sheer luck, their recruiter was actually my neighbor. And they're having trouble finding an IT person that could tolerate macOS and uh, Apple hardware. I applied and uh, I spent some time there. And it was a very formative experience uh, of my time working in IT and tech and all of that. So it was a great way to just learn how these kind of companies work, startups, that environment, how they're structured, what works, what doesn't work. And most importantly, companies that don't follow the old way of doing things with all of these kind of on-prem solutions, Active Directory, all of that. From there, they transferred me to the San Francisco office, which I was very enthused to come to and leave Montana for the Bay Area. I was tired of snow and the 10-month-long winters. (laughs) So so with that, after being uh, here in San Francisco, the Oakland-based company, Fivetran, uh, had an opening for an IT manager, which seemed like a really good fit. And that's how I got here. And it's been about a year and a half since I've been at Fivetran.
0: Cool. That's interesting. It seems like you kind of got your foot in the door and then worked your way up.
1: Well, previous to that, I was actually an English teacher in South Korea. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which it it seems like a weird transition from selling English to uh, working IT. But there's kind of a whole backstory there with, you know, they have really interesting uh, setups there in South Korea. You know, they had kind of held on to, A lot of legacy software. And so at work, you know, we had like Windows XP past this expiration and expected to kind of make it work in the classroom. So what it did, it kind of motivated me to kind of figure a lot of these things out. And I ended up kind of building my own network at home, playing with Raspberry Pis. And that led me to doing the CCNA. And so even before I came back to the US, I had had like three certifications and courses under my belt from just self study. So that's
0: interesting. Your venture into IT, so to speak, started much earlier when you were teaching English in South Korea. It sounds like it came out of a, uh, you know, a problem you faced having to work with those legacy systems and in order to get them to work, you'd have to, you know, self-study and uh, teach yourself some workarounds, things like that. Kind
1: of. I mean, that's how it started. You know, we had this problem and they weren't going to offer me a solution. I was just kind of a lowly teacher. So, Just kind of game and had the time to figure out a lot of these myself. myself and of course, you know, that was just the beginning. Then I thought it was really cool to you know host my own Plex server, install Raspberry Pi hole, do all these different things, take a Python course on data visualization, and it was great. And it felt like a much more natural fit than teaching. I mean, I loved it. It was great, and it surprises me still. Four years later, how much of those skills were transferable into working IT and have actually been way more of an advantage than I
0: ever could have imagined. That's interesting. That's definitely unexpected, but that's interesting. Let's talk um, more about what you do today at Fivetran. What kind of things are you responsible for? What kind of things do you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: So at Fivetran, I run the IT team here globally. So we're distributed. Of course, we're all remote right now while we're still making plans to return to the office later this year. And so with that, we maintain, well, actually we have two kind of driving forces for IT that all of the decisions that we do and all of the systems that we touch, and that's one security and making sure that everything is secure and compliant, and two, making Fivetran a great place to work for our employees. So we have an emphasis on ease of use, accessibility, but also that eye to security so that we can continue to pass um, audits, feel secure in everything that we do. And everybody at Fivetran knows that we take it very seriously on both fronts.
0: That's interesting. Speaking of, uh, of Fivetran, tell me a little bit more about the company itself, especially for some of our listeners that might not be familiar with the company. Can you give us a, just a little rundown on the history and what the product is?
1: Sure, absolutely. So Fivetran builds data pipelines. Rather than a company maintaining their own, hiring engineers, data analysts to maintain those, we offer a product in which we maintain the entire process there. So we focus on kind of that arena and make sure that it's as seamless and accessible for our customers as possible.
0: How long has Fivetran been around? I want to say its inception was
1: 2012 in the Y incubator, the founders, uh, Taylor Brown and George Frazier, who had, there's some interesting background there, but eventually we're able to kind of turn it into a real company. And it's been on a fast track to growth ever since we've increased our headcount rapidly in the last two years. And now we're a global company. Recently, we opened our offices in Singapore to uh, service the Southeast Asia, Asian market, APAC, the help of our Sydney-based office as well. I don't know if the sun sets on Fivetran anymore.
0: Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. FiveTrans definitely the company that's, if you're in the San Francisco area, you'll, it's a company that people have heard of. Definitely been growing quite a bit, been in the news for good reasons recently. Let's go into the, um, I guess, back to what you do at Fivetran, you know, dealing with IT issues, dealing with technical issues. What sort of technical issues do you commonly come across? How do you go about solving those issues?
1: So we want to make sure that everything is accessible as possible to our internal customers, our employees. And so we put a lot of work in onboarding and lifecycle management, offboarding. So with that said, you know, there's a lot of tools out there to manage this, to build automations. And one that we really found a lot of success with was Okta workflows. So when I joined Fivetran in November 2019, I was left by my predecessor with a very robust environment that was really well built out and set us up for success. And so with that, you know, what else can we do here? And so we were evaluating other options or kind of the automation pieces since we were you know, a very lean team and continue to be with a rapidly growing user base here. And so after taking a look at it, There's a tool for everything, and some of them are are quite good and quite robust, but we didn't necessarily want to have to learn another tool or kick the tires of another vendor and do another security review. It made sense to just look at the tools that we have now and get the most out of them that we possibly could, right? And so Okta served us really well for a single sign-on part of the lifecycle management that they had with its integration with Namely. But Octo Workflows really got us going on automated messaging, emails, group membership, license assignments, all sorts of stuff that have really made it a lot easier to manage IT. So one of the first examples, and this is when we uh, brought in our system administrator, who has just done a fantastic job of building these workflows, designing them, and coming up with a ton of concepts that have been placed into production and have been amazing. But one of the first ones was the issue of when somebody is going to join Fivetran, they work with HR to set up their profile that activates their Okta account after it's completed. How do we restrict access without manually going in there and, and turning all of it off until their actual start date? You know, that's a pain, but we also don't want to make it really hard for them to activate their profile. And, you know, we want them to have a good experience as they're joining Fivetran so that it sets up their entire experience here as a positive one. So with that, leveraging Okta workflows were able to make it so that it would look at their start date, evaluate it, if it was before their start date, all of their applications, except for the ones they needed prior to their start date, like namely was blocked. So the satisfied security compliance requirements gave them access to what they needed prior to their employment. And then on their first day, it was a seamless onboarding into the applications that they needed on that exact day. And all of this was done in octa workflows and i mean that's just the beginning that was the seed to a ton of other things that we do there
0: you mentioned that you looked at the tools that fivetran already had i'm assuming that's the the softwares you guys already had licenses for and then from there you you figured out how to use them differently or use them in a better more efficient manner or better suited for what you guys were doing can you tell me more about or can we discuss more about optimizing the usage of softwares I'd imagine there's a lot to talk about there. because uh, <laughs> and, and some of my previous guests and, you know, working in the industry, there's always, you know, a frequent situation is that, you know, a company buys a software license and, you know, maybe uses it well, maybe doesn't use it well and is, I mean, more often than not, it's not a perfectly optimized and that can lead to all kinds of issues. You know, maybe the company thinks the software sucks the software vendor thinks the operator sucks all kinds of stuff like that can you tell me about your experiences with that with buying and then having to optimize softwares or optimizing existing ones 100
1: and this seems to be coming up time and time again at conferences and in just talking to anybody in it is this challenge of i think what they call SaaS sprawl right where you kind of open up the floodgates, and people just sign up for stuff. And you may or may not ever get told about it. And sometimes it's too late. So the, the root cause of this is one, sometimes the standard or the process isn't well built out, especially for smaller companies or younger companies that are growing rapidly, people buy stuff that they need it. So they do it. And that's kind of the ethos. What we've been trying to do is to consolidate as much as we can and get as much as we can out of the platforms and applications that we pay for. And one of the really great tools that we've used and that we've leveraged for this is called Productive. It's spelled P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-V. And this is a SaaS management tool that will plug into Okta, into our HRIS platform, all of our finance platforms to ingest all of that data on spend, it will pair them with the contracts that we have through our contract management uh, platform that we have. And then it will also give us, for some of the applications, pretty rich user engagement data. And so we can use that user engagement data to see, okay. And because it has all of that data from Okta and HRIS, we can say, okay, everybody in this department uses this pro, this application pretty well. Like They take all these actions in it, they're getting their money's worth. Everybody on this team, though, they're kind of using it and then on team C nobody's using it but they're licensed for it. And so we've been able to have a visual dashboard and we can break down on a lot of these applications how much people are actually using their their license and it's been very helpful to not only for like renewals right sizing our licenses But also to find out if this is something that we should be using and if maybe there's a better product out there if a lot of people aren't using these features. I mean, there's a lot of really expensive SaaS platforms out there that people are attached to. And then you look at their actual usage of it, they're using one or two features. And there might be something that's better suited for the entire company. And so with that sort of data, we can easily reference it, see what we can do better. With that, I think our missing piece, though, is and I'm told this is a feature coming to their platform relatively soon. Is being able to to get actual feedback, like a pulse survey, from users to see things we can't necessarily quantify, but qualify in their experience of using that tool.
0: That makes sense. That that's interesting. That seems like a really useful. That's a separate software. Productive. Yeah, they're relatively new, but their product is
1: that, and I'm sure there's there are similar ones. But in this environment that so many of us in IT have found ourselves in, in which. You know, but sometimes it feels like there's a license to shop. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Go buy all these fancy softwares, that, uh, these fancy, shiny softwares. Theoretically, they'll make the company run better.
1: Right. You know, sometimes it doesn't, it, that's not always the best way, right? And so, of course, you need another tool to manage all your tools. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting you mentioned that. That reminds me of tools there's, for example, my, my company internally has even had to build a software product that does this feature, but it's, it's like a dashboard, but in our case, it was for AWS spend, or you know, AW, managing your AWS workloads and then comparing that to uh, the costs and so on. That's like a, a necessity, because otherwise, if you're not like, keeping track on the visibility of your AWS spend, for example, you'll unknowingly just run up a very large bill or something like that. I'm sure it'd be, this seems like it's the same concept for all your SaaS softwares, your SaaS tools.
1: I mean, Jeff Bezos is already sending himself this space off uh, uncontrolled AWS spend. So (laughs) I don't want to make it any easier for him.
0: (laughs) I don't think any of us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Definitely.
1: That's interesting. Our engineering teams and SRE teams have similar things built out for our our cloud platforms since our product lives on the cloud and, and is in the major public cloud platforms, Azure, AWS, and GCP. So uh, all of that is, is highly monitored.
0: Speaking of uh, cloud, you mentioned, so you, you guys are using all three cloud vendors for different things, I'm assuming? For the
1: product side, we make offerings for our customers and we meet them where they're at.
0: I see, I see. The Five Trend product will work with uh, any cloud, as I, I would imagine. One more thing I, I want to shift into, Kevin, is um, before this, we were discussing your work with identity management and access. Is there any, I mean, you, you mentioned that with uh, HR, onboarding, offboarding people. Is there any more any more detail you think we could go into about, you know, maybe what kind of softwares are working well for you guys in that area?
1: Sure. Yeah. So all of this is still our our central kind of Apparatus for all of this is Okta and Okta workflows, and so we've actually shifted application requests. So we used to have them in our queue. The people would essentially make a ticket, ask for access to, for example, Salesforce. We would have to get approval from somebody, and then you know we would assign that application in Okta, and then revenue operations would do whatever they needed to do on their end for their profile on the Salesforce site. That seems really inefficient, and we didn't care to play middleman to these kind of things that we're not approving that lays in another department or team and their budget. And so we're actually using the app catalog feature in Okta. And so somebody needs an application. And some of them are ones that maybe most people don't really need, but there's a outside of a team, but there's a few people that, you know, maybe working with that team and need access to that tool. They don't need to ask us anymore. Those approvals go directly to that approver, they press a link that says "approve," and then it's done. And then it sends us a message in our Slack, uh, notifying us just in case if it's not like a skin provisioning application that we can go in and create the account if we need to. If we need to set any permissions, we can do that. Also, we have it go to a specific list that's tied into our analytics so that we also get a lot of numbers on this and data on who's requesting what, where these requests are coming from, what they're requesting. and and just the volume of it so that not only are we making it more seamless but we're also more informed as an it department on what's happening and what people are
0: asking for that makes sense that's interesting you you guys find uh, the octa workflows to work really well and that's just something well I, I just haven't heard of too many people using octa workflows to do all that stuff
1: well there's part of it's just in octa as, as one of their features that i don't know if, if it's that well known but we switched over and it saved us so much time and friction. And then, again, this was implemented and designed by our assistant administrator, who's just, you know, at everywhere and anywhere all the time doing the most amazing work. And so we've built on top of that. And we thought, you know, okay, this is great that they can request applications directly in Okta. But we're still getting a lot of requests that people have, uh, like, group membership. And so whether that's a, a group in Okta, that's a push group to a Slack user group, or to a google group they need us because we go into the admin console we assign them that group and that group gives them access to another platforms group or to an application or you know, whatever and then it, it using Okta workflows and the bookmark application in okta we can make those available to request in the app catalog now so again we set up an approver for that group whoever that is in our company we make it requestable it doesn't involve us anymore So we've made it so IT is no longer involved necessarily in the day-to-day approval of applications or groups. We let it happen. We let the approver deal with it. And for them, it's as easy as clicking approve or deny. And that's it. And then everybody's informed. There's a paper trail. It's logged. And then it's also sent to our looker so that we have it in our analytics for IT.
0: Nice. That seemed like a comprehensive, but efficient system.
1: We try not to overcomplicate things. It's kind of the self-service model. And we've, we've done that in a few other places, notably for engineering team changes, you know, since, you know, different teams need access to different things and, you know, we follow least privilege models. So with that, Octa groups using push groups and assignment applications have different things for different engineering teams and rather than engineering managers or directors asking us to make this change in Okta, we set up a Slack channel using a Slack app and Okta workflows on the backend. And again, this is the amazing work of David, our assistant administrator, to actually have it self-service. So they open the Slack app and then they can select the team, the user, and if there's any teams they need to be removed from, and then it happens all in this private channel that only like the engineering managers or directors have access to so that they can easily do it. It's verbose. It shows the changes right there in Slack. And then they have it. We never have to even know that it happens unless we go and look at, at the Slack channel and see the blocks of it. But again, self-service. We let people do it. We empower them uh, to make these changes so that they don't need to loathe opening a ticket, waiting for one of us to respond, us doing it, maybe doing it wrong. Them coming back saying, oh, we actually need this, this and this. We just let them do it all and we've made it easy for them to do it themselves in a way that's easy and secure and compliant.
0: That's good that those values of, you know, the security and, you know, making things actually work for the user, for the 5Tran employee. Those are, uh, it's good to have those values kind of baked into everything that IT does.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want people to hate us or to loathe having to interact with us, right? We want to be involved in in the business and we want to be involved in the success of our company and that means we want to be involved in people's productivity, their success and how they interact with the systems in our company.
0: That's good. That's good. Really good. I want to ask two more topics. First one, I want to discuss a little bit about cybersecurity. Over the past month or so, there's been those high-profile hackings and the ransomware, the malware, all that all that fun stuff. <laughs> how does that kind of that looming threat, how does that affect a company like Fivetran? Is that something that kind of keeps you up at night? Are there a lot of measures you guys put in place to try and prevent or react to that stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, for any company, especially a company that, that deals in technology and data, this is always top of mind. So at Fivetran, we take security very seriously, our AppSec, SRE, and IT teams. We've been very fortunate to have prioritization of security in our company, Tom Conklin, our CISO, who joined last year at Fivetran, who has brought in an amazing amount of just knowledge and policies and everything else to Fivetran. So it's taken very seriously at Fivetran. It's at the top of the leadership and we're definitely
0: taking it very seriously. That makes sense.
1: Now, does it keep me up at night? I don't know. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) It's like the comets do uh, or the earthquake we're expecting in, in the Bay Area every 100 years, of course. But, you know, I guess that's life.
0: It is just this looming threat. Staying up at night isn't going to reduce the likelihood of it happening. So <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to uh, maybe, a, you know, let's say a smaller tech product company that deals with data? And is, you know, let's say they're coming to you with the advice, you know, what kind of cybersecurity measures should we put in place? What would you yeah, recommend?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if we're talking about end users and end machines, which, you know, your company is only as secure as your least responsible person when it comes to security, right? It only takes one person. And so with that, I would, I would say harden your end, your end machines, those laptops uh, that people access your production systems on. There's a lot of basic things you can do there to really mitigate a lot of your risk that can be done early. And the earlier you do it, the easier it is to make sure it's done right and that everybody follows it. So one thing that I guess, coming back to Okta, maybe they need to start paying me or they could sponsor this episode Uh, (laughs) is that they have this product device trust. And so I don't know if you're familiar with this or, or your listeners are, but device trust is basically a system in which that will either allow or deny access based on a sign on policy. So this prevents people from accessing production system on another like personal machine, or if a bad actor, for whatever reason, got somebody's credentials, including MFA, there's still the computer piece that people need in order to access platforms and applications within your work environment. So with that, I would say device trust, which you know, you deploy using a MDM. We use JAMF here at FiveTran and I think it's a Great product. So, between Device Trust, Okta, and MDM, I think that's a really good start for any company that's looking to have some kind of control over their end machines.
0: That's good. The final question is what's in the future for the company for FiveTrend?
1: Well, I guess I'll take a note from maybe our company drive, and that's to make ele- data as accessible as electricity. I mean, really, with that, we're growing, we're looking at, you know, other geographical regions to start entering into making our product more robust and develop more connectors. However, I I may not be the best spokesperson for this as I'm not all that involved in the actual product of Fivetran, but we're growing and we're growing fast. And so I think we're on a really interesting ride and I'm very excited to see what happens with Fivetran from the
0: inside. That's very cool. Okay. One final, final question, Kevin, is there, Is there anything that I did not ask that you wished that I asked, or anything else you want to cover?
1: I mean, I think we got a lot of good stuff in as far as just like identity management and all of that. I think you know one thing that would have been interesting to talk about a year ago would have been everybody leaving the office to go work from home. You know, for some companies, I'm sure it was it was tough issuing everybody laptops, getting a VPN set up, and all those things accessible. But the future is remote work, the future is hybrid workspaces, and the future is the cloud.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. It seems like the moral of the podcast is Okta workflows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just at the Bay Area Okta user groups last night. They're still doing those virtually. And that was the the topic of discussion. They had some really interesting uh, examples there. And it seems like it's getting a wider adoption now than ever. So I'm excited to see that community develop and for people to be sharing their workflows, their solutions, and all of that in Okta workflows. Because if you're an Okta customer and you leverage Okta, there's no reason why you shouldn't be using Okta workflows. The thing is amazing.
0: Interesting. That's good to know. All right. Thank you so much, Kevin. That's, that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for being here. That was a great conversation. Great information you have. Thank you. Appreciate it. We hope you found some value in this episode of Life in the Cloud. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast, and share this episode on social media with your network. You can continue the conversation with us on LinkedIn by tagging Chris Ready, at Chris Ready, that's at K-R-I-S-R-E-D-D-Y, in a comment or by sending a direct message. We look forward to hearing from you.